Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Joining us today to discuss how he sees the technology sector panning out in 2023 is Hyun Ho San, Portfolio Manager of Fidelity Technology Innovators Fund. In December 2022, Hyun Ho was named Mutual Fund Manager of the Year by Investment Executive Magazine. It was a turbulent year for the tech sector in 2022. Soaring inflation, higher interest rates, and fears of a recession daunted consumers and investors, leading to mass layoffs within large-cap tech companies, and a market downturn that saw the Nasdaq 100 finish 32% lower on the year. So, should investors be more optimistic about a tech bounce back in 2023? And what are some of the macro stories that could help or hinder tech this year? Hyun Ho answers these questions and more today with host Pamela Ritchie. Hyun Ho also comments on tech valuations, noting valuations are attractive right now, and his decisions are driven by focusing on company fundamentals with a long-term view. Also, how much are these valuations and fundamentals being controlled by macro variables? A few other topics touched on today include mergers and acquisitions, cybersecurity, and e-commerce trends, specifically what trends accelerated during COVID and are decelerating now, or what trends are here to stay. Stay tuned. Today's podcast was recorded on January 12th, 2023. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects. I'm Pamela Ritchie. Nice to see you again. Hi and ho. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Nice to see you. Thank you. How much of the tech sector story can be pinned on the pull forward in terms of valuations of what we did during COVID. Is that 50% of the story? Is that 100% of the story? Um, that's very um, tough question to start. I mean, you know, it's, it's a quite um, the confusing to uh, many investors because, you know, tech innovation is a long-term story. Um, there are a lot of macro uncertainty right happening there right now. Things are difficult to get handled on. But then we experience a period of um, COVID, um, um, which pulled a lot of demand for technology consumption from co uh, consumer perspective and also corporate perspective. A lot of IT investment uh, went into um, a tech sector, which we are seeing some digestion um, of those investments happened over the last uh, two, two years during the COVID. But question is whether this is end of the investment cycle or um, there's some structural angle to it. I, I think overall tech, uh, there are many areas of structural story, but I have to admit that there are some area when we need some uh, digestion of investment with who went into um, tech sector over the, during the COVID. For sure. The, the many, there are many pieces of the long-term story, but as you mentioned there, one of them, of course, is just how much we realized if we had not brought forward our, our technology skills, be it personal corporations, um, that it had to be done. Where has it not really been done? 
I mean, a lot of um, tech investment um, has been done, but I, I would say, in general, um, more digital-oriented sector, like tech, media, and those areas, IT investment has gone uh, very quickly and accelerated. Whereas more traditional um, segment, like I don't know, ma manufacturing, industrial, and resources, those area, um, I mean, having continued to invest in tech, but there are a lot more room for tech investment to go. I mean, thinking about, you know, particularly given like, um, you know, emphasis on environmental, energy consumption, efficiency, and waste reduction, all these things, those sector needs um, help from, um, you know, technology investment. So, you know, basically, you know, uh, manufacturing facilities and factories need to be uh, more connected digitally and data need to be stored and analyzed so that people can see whether those factories and facilities are running uh, efficiently and there are more room for improvement, et cetera. So I think all those things, um, invest, uh, tech investment in tech will be, it will be needed. I sort of think about China's reopening right now it, uh, for, for every sector, for, for most people in business, the question mark is, is to what extent the reopening will have a positive impact to the overall business story. Um, we'll get your, your thoughts on that. Dur during COVID, we saw President Xi talk a lot about tech strategy moving away, for instance, I mean, they, as a, as a government policy, moved away from, from social media. They called it, they called it spiritual opium. You know, we should be doing tech in places like healthcare, different industries. I'm curious, as you watch China reopen, where do you think there are some sort of government-directed opportunities, ultimately, uh, for the tech sector? There's two angles on China reopening, right? So, you know, thinking about what happened during China, in China during COVID, there's a lot of um, supply chain bottleneck because of you know workers need to be isolated, etc. So there are a lot of supply chain disruption happened because of the um, you know COVID in China, and then you know Chinese people uh, couldn't travel outside of China, so there's um, demand weakness happen happen from there. So if you think from that angle, the reopening China, what does that mean? Supply chain bottleneck will be eased. So, for example, you know, I, I, iPhone production in China were disrupted because of COVID, but that kind of kind of thing uh, will be normalized. So that will be good news for overall um, supply chain issues. And you know, Chinese people uh, will travel uh, overseas, and that's going to be like massive demand for global travel industry and et cetera. So that's going to be also um, impact um, from tech perspective. Right. Okay. So interesting. Did we see as much of a, a pull forward for Chinese tech stocks as we did in other parts of the world, for instance? I mean, China stock, because um, during COVID, it was quite um, depressed, right? Because um, overall depressed economic activity and also the government you know, regulatory pressure on overall the big tech uh, tech platform in China, so that led to quite depressed um, Chinese um, tech stock. Now, given the reopening of China, actually, uh, in Chinese tech stocks, and not just tech stocks, overall China stocks are starting to rebound very uh, rapidly. So we are seeing a lot of ch Chinese tech stocks uh, doing very strongly, you know, last one month or so. Just move back to sort of the, the global market, almost the cap size story, some of the big heavyweight 
tech players, the large companies obviously have, have sold off incredibly by incredible amounts, sort of eye-watering amounts. What do you think of these valuations right now for some of the big players? A valuation of big tech, I mean, we need to look at the company by company, but overall, I think valuation is quite attractive. And people talking about valuation overall, I think company fundamentals first. I think these um, the large companies like you know Microsoft and Amazon in the cloud computing space, or Apple, um, Netflix, and those company. If you step back and thinking about you know next three five years, what will be the competitive advantage of those company? Those company will become stronger than today, and uh, my answer will be yes to yeah. most of the large companies, and those companies are generating a lot of cash flow and balance sheet is quite strong. And as you mentioned earlier, valuation has, has derated quite um, substantially over the last year. Um, so from that perspective, I think um, we can see a lot of um, you know, attractive investment opportunity there. How, what, what is the time horizon from your perspective, perhaps on those companies, but, but maybe on others more broadly across technology? I mean, timing is always um, very difficult because, <laughs> you know, it's, um, the fundamentally there's um, the macro is impacting on, on the fundamentals. So, which is, um, things are, um, is beyond, um, you know, companies control is difficult. And also it's a market multiple. Uh, the interest rate, et cetera, that is impacting on you know, stock price. So it's, it's a difficult one. But um, my approach is basically look at a little bit long, long, longer term, step back. And because, you know, 2023 this year, we're going to see a uh, slowdown, uh, weakness. We're going to see earnings um, downgrade, et cetera. If I think about it, whether the stocks will react negatively to those slowdown um, and earnings, downgrade? I don't know. I think maybe not because already valuation has discounted a lot of slowdown. People already have saw the negative headline and people expect um, things will slow down. And I think this year, the, um, you know, good approach will be um, stepping back and thinking about longer term, whether companies and subsectors and industry maintain competitive advantage, whether, you know, certain tech adoption will be higher in three-year view. And uh, that's the um, more important answer to think about. And from that perspective, I think I would say uh, there's a lot of area for tech adoption to continue to go up. You know, companies' business model remain quite strong. A lot of tech business have cash generative business and strong balance sheet. So I see a lot of, um, you know, good, attractive angle uh, from longer-term perspective. Do, do you see that attractive, longer-term perspective um, around the world in countries that, that perhaps are either emerging markets or just this other country? So is it a broader global view right now than, say, it was a year ago? I wouldn't say it's um, broader versus Europe, but, you know, my approach is that, you know, looking for attractive business um, the globally. So I like, you know, companies that have very strong position um, in the global market. And that is across the, I find those companies across the uh, globe. So obviously US is, you know, in a driver's seat in the, in the innovation. So there are a lot of the good companies in US, but if you look at Japan, for example, 
I think Japan, Japanese company will play quite important role in the automation and robotics where I think if, if we think about more, you know, factory automation and also um, people talk about reshoring, right? I mean, a lot of manufacturing um, footprint uh, focused on, you know, China and, you know, companies need to diversify a manufacturing footprint outside of China to Southeast Asia and U.S. Uh, reshoring. And all those things actually need more, um, you know, automation and robotics and Japanese uh, factory automation companies had a, a strong play there. I mean, European tech um, side, I mean, there are, you know, very strong um, companies, um, very high global market share in telecommunication equipment, you know, fintech, um, the payment space, um, and software as well. So, you know, long-term winner, um, I um, um, continue to look uh, for in the, in the, um, the market uh, globally. Do you think cloud investment, which is which is kind of what we've talked about off and on for, for a couple of years when speaking with you, do you see that slowing a little bit or where, where do you see that particular area of tech expansion or growth? Like how, how does that stand mm-hmm. to sell in 2023? Yeah, so overall cloud um, spending is slowing down, definitely. But I see that um, slowdown as a more cyclical rather than structural. Um, if you think about cloud penetration adoption, overall, we're still um, uh, second or third inning. And obviously, cloud adoption accelerated during the COVID um, across the world, board, particularly more digital uh, native um, startup companies, you know, funded by uh, easy money and venture capital. And then they started the business and ramp up quite quickly. and cloud um, infrastructure help those um, you know new company to start company very um, quickly so that sort of acceleration and we are seeing some um, significant you know break on, on, the, on those investments and obviously the investment built up quite quickly and then we need some um, um, period of digestion so that is impacting on cloud slowdown so Microsoft, or AW in the recent quarter earnings, they admit that things are, are slowing down. But if we step back and thinking about like more larger enterprise and you know big um, segment like financial institutions and healthcare and government and those big um, area, uh, we're still sort of early innings in terms of you know migrate, migrating you know, enterprise workload, uh, traditional workload to the cloud uh, the migration, I, I think there will be um, um, significant headroom um, um, over the next three to five years. Really interesting. Do you think we'll see more M&A over the course of the next, I don't know, sort of 12 to 18 months as, as actually some of the big tech players perhaps scoop up some of the more struggling, mm-hmm. longer duration companies? I think um, that's an interesting question, and I think M&A will be an um, interesting theme for this year, and we're going to see more activities. Actually, um, you know, last year as well, um, we saw quite a lot of M&A activity, more in the uh, smaller, smaller com- uh, software companies, and key players were mainly on the private equity side, because, um, because I mean, the high growth, high um, multiple unprofitable companies 
got taken out by private equity um, uh, over the last year, and we saw already saw some um, transaction um, uh, this year um, as well. The high multiple um, software companies got derated massively over the course of last year and become more attractive to the private equity companies. And that will continue, in my view, um, this year. And also, I think uh, this year we are going to see more strategic M&As. So large tech companies look for more the growthy the companies so that you know, these large companies have very strong balance sheet and continue to look for the growth angle. And M&A, a strategic M&A, uh, will be important uh, the part of the growth strategy for those large companies. So, yes, uh, I, I see the more M&A uh, happening this year. There's so many different headlines about chips and about semis. From your perspective, I mean, they all tend to be quite political. A lot of the a lot of the commentary and so on. There's been big bills passed to make sure that they can be domestically produced and so on in various countries. From an investment standpoint, should we should we look at any of these headlines? How how do you look at that space? Oh, you mean uh, semiconductor side chips? Yeah, yeah. So I think when U.S. making a big headline, but not just U.S., Europe and Japan as well. Japan. Um, China also. So the government realized that semiconductor is very important part of uh, economy and the key building block of the innovation um, and even national security. Um, so I think um, you know government incentivization uh, of the companies build fact- semiconductor factories in their um, area countries. I think that's going to be beneficial for overall investment in tech. So um, semiconductor equipment will be um, uh, continue to be um, interesting area uh, within tech. There's some linkages, again, in sort of headlines. And I, I'm just curious from your perspective if they're real linkages. But, you know, you'll hear about companies looking at going into space, uh, you can you can figure out who they all are talking about, making sure they have the rare earths to keep up their production lines and incorporating it into the the companies themselves, the sort of tech companies. Is is that something that, I mean, is that for real? Are, are rare earths something that, that tech companies are going to make sure that they have access to directly? Or what do you make of all of that? It's, it's more of a um, resources and material area. So I'm not particularly uh, looking into those areas, so yeah. It's not it's not a main thing. It's just something we we hear yeah. a lot about. When when you see ultimately areas like e-commerce, I mean, we have probably become so dependent on areas of that that they'll stick. What are what are some of the other areas that we'll either stick with because of the pandemic, or or maybe we're sick mm-hmm. of them? I don't know. Change changes happen. Acceleration happened during COVID. And now decelerating, right? So people think that whether it's a change it or not, but I think a lot of things are quite sticky. So a good example would be like, you know, you mentioned e-commerce, but like, you know, on-demand media consumption, food delivery, um, for um, good example, like you know, there's a lot of demand for um, you know, food delivery uh, because people are stuck at home. And, and now they're still slowing down, but I think that habit, it becomes um, sticky. I think people, because I mean, people see the food delivery, um, the convenience and utility is people value that. And 
we are seeing some slowdown um, from the, um, the high high base, high level, but I think those kind of uh, things will, will be um, structural, heavy change. Thoughts on fintech uh, that might have been hurt last year, for instance, do their valuations seem more reasonable now? I mean, fintech, I mean, I invest in, um, you know, credit, the card networks and merchant acquirers, and those businesses are quite an attractive business. And, you know, cash to um, digital payment is um, has accelerated and there's continued to um, more uh, room to go, particularly in the Europe and elsewhere. Uh, U.S. is a bit um, well penetrated. So I think the, um, those um, the fintech, you know, payment area, I think it's an attractive um, area there. But fintech is quite broad terminology. I mean, if... if, if I'm asked about, you know, BNPL buy um, pay later, buy now, pay later, and those kind of business model. I, 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 my view is that it's, um, it's just structurally very challenging. Um, so some area in within fintech where like easy money, they helped a lot um, during the COVID. I, I think there's a structural challenge there, but overall. Uh, fintech, the payment and digital uh, space, I, I think there is more innovation and growth um, angle there. Uh, on the cybersecurity front, um, again, maybe from a valuations perspective, but just is there a different type of demand? I mean, we, we I think we're more aware also of concerns around cybersecurity than we ever were. Yeah, I mean, investment in cybersecurity will, will continue. And cybersecurity budget is one area that CIO, CISO um, don't cut easily. So um, from an investment and budget perspective, I think cybersecurity will remain a um, strong area. But one thing I caution is gotta be, it is quite important to be quite selective and look at the, the business by business. Because cybersecurity, I mean, budget-wise is quite um, you know, strong, but it is quite um, cybersecurity product itself is um, need to be a lot of changes happening. So, for cybersecurity company to remain competitive, need to be continue to invest in R and D, and this product is um, inherently quite uh, complex. So, need to spend a lot of you know money um, to the marketing, education of the um, customer, etc. So that's why. We do not see um, a lot of cybersecurity company to generate the profitability. So I think from that perspective, I think overall industry-wise, it's an attractive uh, industry. But from company company, I would say uh, need to be more uh, selective. Do you, I mean what about cybersecurity for for companies that have sort of an enterprise approach to things? Is that or less just specifically cybersecurity? So. Within cybersecurity, I'm positive about um, endpoint uh, cybersecurity, so proliferation of mobile devices and um, tablet and etc. And endpoint security is a very um, essential part of overall cybersecurity in the big market. And there are uh, generation change within um, um, in the cyber endpoint cybersecurity market. So there are you know um, companies that are well positioned to address this big market and those companies generate um, decent um, profit and cash flow. So, yeah. How did you manage, Hainho, uh, all the volatility last year? Discipline in terms of 
looking at the valuation and the company, the fundamentals. So I try to avoid very expensive stock and good story, the market chase, the momentum, those kind of stocks I try to avoid. I focus more on, you know, companies actually have a very um, good business model, strong long-term competitive advantage, delivering good long-term earnings and cash flow, trading on reasonable multiple and market doesn't favor at that point, but, you know, reasonable valuation and attractive long-term potential. Those kind of uh, stocks I, you know, invest in, I think that helped me, you know, perform relatively better than the other uh, tech funds. And it might also be the reason that you won Mutual Fund Manager of the Year by Investment Executive Magazine. Hi and ho, it's great to see you again. Thank you very much for joining us and a Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.